yeah, I guess, and, and we're rolling. Um, but I, I guess, I guess that's what it is. Since I've since I've been back, uh, I, I've been. I talked to I talked to Bird, um, one of my guys, and he was telling me when he drove across country. I mean, it took him two weeks to normalize, and I am. Yesterday I felt okay. This morning I felt all right, but my sleep has just been dog shit. I'm fucking exhausted still. Mad, isn't it? I never felt I never felt that so much. I mean, I remember being tired like the next day, maybe two days after a big long road trip. But I mean, flying must have also a massive impact that we probably just are desensitized to. Well, the jet lag, the jet lag, it'll dehydrate you. Um, and also like at being, being up in the air, 30,000 feet above, above sea level. Right. But I mean, I wasn't far off from that, <laughs> right. you know, like up on the fucking mountains and shit. But I mean, the drive, the drive home was so fucking stressful. Like for eight hours, I was sitting there at the steering wheel like this. And I drove pretty much the entire of the last 32 hours. I think Vicky and I said, I drove like 27 of them. <laughs> It was bad. It was fucking bad. I'm I'm exhausted still. And I can't, like I said, I can't I can't get back. I can't get back to like my 1030 sleep time. No matter it's not like I'm trying very hard, but it's been been over a week now that I've been back and I'm just fucked. Slowly I'm getting better. My workouts, my workouts have been so terrible, been so pathetic. I I just decided, I said, I have no energy. So I said, fuck it. I'm just going to max out on shit. <laughs> I mean, just going straight into it? Yeah. Like my, I, I barely do a warm up. I'm like, well, I, I don't have the energy to do a set, one set of 20 of any fucking exercise. One set of 10 for like warm ups or anything like that. So I'm just, I went into the squat bar and I was like, oh, fuck it. And I got, I got 445 on, on squat, like pretty easily. Nice. I could have I, I went up, but no, I decided not to. I was well, like, fuck fucking crocked if that's, you did. That's why. I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going any heavier than this. And then I benched. And I mean, my best bench ever was like 405. And my, my best floor press ever was like 375 so like my bench is good <laughs> bro i hit 315 like this like uh, oh like i was i looked around i was embarrassed how hard it was <laughs> but so like i i couldn't i couldn't get back into working out it was so tough for me i'd show up i'd just pedal on the bike for a half hour and then be like, all right, well, I kind of worked out. I guess I'm fucking good. I was so fucking tired. <laughs> yeah, that's probably just knackering you out even more, right? Just no. tired to fuck. No, no I'm, bro. No, like the way you pedal, maybe me. I think I was going. No, like, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the biking. No, no, no. You're probably going. If you was going any slower, you'd be going back in time on the bike. <laughs> but I'd be more. You maxing out on stuff. I mean, are you doing a couple warm up sets, or are you just gonna? I mean, you literally just. 20 like 45s each side 45s each side so yeah 45s each side 45s each side <laughs> like that's but so thinker uh james thinker smith for those of you that don't know he's he's one of my mentors and he's i remember he said to me one time i'm not squatting 
unless there's four plates on the bar. It's just a waste of time. So <laughs> like, it makes no fucking sense. But I just got that in my head. So the guy, the guy, he squatted 405 minimum twice a week for two years. Nah. Like, and he either did it for like one rep or he did it for like 30 reps. Like he didn't, he didn't care. He's like, well, as long as there's 405 in the bar, I'm working out. If there's anything less, I'm not fucking working out. He got strong. He was strong as fuck at one point though, right? He's always been strong since I've known him. He's right. been, I mean, he's a big, he's like 250. Yeah, he's a big dude, yeah. I, he's, he's leaned out, though. I think he's down. I, he also said, I have a problem with being under 250 pounds. I feel less masculine. Like something. <laughs> <laughs> so he won't, unless there's, unless there's four plates on it, he wasn't squatting. So I got that in my head. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Well, I'm just going to squat 405 every time. So I'm either doing it. So my workout, no bullshit. My workout ended up being... 135 for like two, 225 for like two, 315 for one. And I was like, oh, let me see how many times I get 315. I did it for 10 and I got out of breath. I wasn't tired. I just got out of breath. I was like, fuck this. And I racked it. Then, then I did 405 for one and that was really easy. So yeah, let me add 10s. That was easy. Let me add more 10s. That was easy. I could have kept going up. I just said, fuck it. And then I did the same thing. So then after that, I was like, all right, workout's done. And then the next day I did the same thing for bench because I was just so fucking lazy. Like, I don't even think I did any band pull aparts to warm up or any rotator cuff shit. I was like, I'm just fucking shot. I just went under the bench, fucking just kept 135. <laughs> 185, 225, 275, 315. And that was, <laughs> that was fucking it. How do your shoulders feel? Fine. Right. My shoulders are all right. I, I've been, yeah, that's, I've been, I've been building up to this shit for a while. My shoulders, my shoulders have been good because I just haven't been benching like a fucking retard for a while. Right. right. But then after that, uh, I did like the next day, I think I did arms. Oh, no, no. I did one rep max, one rep max on bench and one rep max on pull ups. I only got like 120 pounds or 140 pounds with the pull-up, which again, like it's, it's, I mean, these are good. These are okay. But like, I, that's how tired I am. I think my best pull-up ever was 200 pounds. Crazy. That's good. I think that's a, something like that. My best bench was 405. And, but I mean, the only, the only bench that I have recorded was like a 395 on YouTube right now. Um, best Floor press, 375. Best pull-up was, I think, 200 pounds. 205, 195, something like that. Well, you were strong as fuck back in the days. <sighs> back in the days. All that time ago, which actually is probably a good way to lead us into our first question. Yeah. So starting from the beginning, what would I do different? Yeah. Well, what would you do different? You started off. <laughs> I don't think much, to be honest. I don't think much. I think I would have... I think I had a really good experience starting my own business so early. I think that was good. I think if I could have done anything, I think I would have probably 
gone into the professional setting in the right place, maybe just for a year or two, just for the experience of it. You know what I mean? But outside of that, honestly, not too much else. I think I would have, um, I wouldn't have bothered doing my master's degree. I think that was, that wasn't really worth it. Um, not because the course necessarily wasn't that good. I thought the course was really good, but just, I think at all that time. And I mean, as soon as you go on in a business, right, it's not really anything about like what you, what you know anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember hearing that um, we've been talking about off air, me and Mike have been talking about this Alex Hormozy guy who has some really good stuff on YouTube for, for gym business. And one of the things he said was if he was to own his gyms again now, he would just like go massively online and, he, and one of the points he said at the end was, you got to understand that nobody cares like about the workout. They don't care if it's, if it's good or not. They don't care. <laughs> and um, that really rings true. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that, that there's that point. And then, honestly, mate, not too much else. I mean, I, I was lucky. I traveled, traveled a lot and got to see some good people. Maybe travel and go and see some other kind of guys, but... Honestly, not too much, man. I think I would have I would have gone more my own way earlier and not I wouldn't have wasted time with and money with the masters and I wouldn't have wasted time and money like I've I've tried three attempts at a PhD and I'm just like I'm I'm off of it, man. Can I, did you start? Dude, it, it, we we never really officially got going on the third time round because then corona hit. So now it's like I'm not I'm not wasting any more time. If it opens up later on and I kind of want to do it, but I mean, also time-wise, man, time is a killer. It's a killer, you know? I know? It's an absolute killer. There's no time. There's no extra time for this stuff right now. The time should be spent on, 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 on creating stuff and, and earning things. You know, the PhD is not going to earn me any more money whatsoever. It's going to create a lot of hassle. Doesn't do any, it don't, right now it doesn't do anything for me. Bro, I got to change the description of our podcast now. Hold on. I think. So what about you? Are you going to go in? Or where are you sitting with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to eventually, I'm going to eventually finish the, uh, the doctorate. Absolutely. I'm absolutely going to finish the doctorate. Uh, and just because it's, I mean, it's so stupid for me not to at this point. You know, like I, I have nine more classes. Yeah, you have enough, barely. Nine classes until my doctorate. I've taken 50 fucking classes. Right. I took 50 classes in two years. Maybe more. I think it was, no, I took more. I took, I think I took 50 classes plus a thousand hours of clinic shifts. Yeah, I think that's it's what it shit was. Time. It's that a shit So time. much. So like. And especially since you ain't got to do. You ain't got to do no data collection or nothing like that. That's where, where, which fuck that fucked me up. Well, you know, for, for third my doctor, round going in. Yeah. Yeah. The, the data collection's a motherfucker. That's, but my doctorate, I, I think I'm going to have to write some kind of bullshit fucking paper, which, which is fucking lunacy because there's nothing valid in fucking acupuncture anyway. Right. <laughs> right. That's a lie. That's a lie for people listening. I'm just being fucking facetious because so much of this shit is just, it's just whatever. But 
I, 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 yeah, there's, there's, there's so much busy work associated with the doctorate, but I mean, the allure, the bullshit, the business aspect of being Dr. Guadango, it matters. And even if I'm a real doctor of fake medicine, it's still, you know, it, it's still mad, or I shouldn't say fake medicine, maybe outdated or pretend medicine. Um, it still matters. Uh, to, you know, it, it's even like the doctorate of chiropractic. Like it, people, people still care about that shit. So here's, here's what our uh, description of our podcast is. Mike and Brooker go back and forth. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. I'm looking. I, I need to change right now, bro. We, we since if you're not going to fucking do the doctorate, I think we're just, I think oh, we're I'm not doing it right now. That's for sure. That's for sure. Not in the foreseeable future. I don't know what our fucking podcast is. Oh, here we go. Mike Wodango and Alex Brooker talk anything health and fitness related or psychology or oh no. Brooker is working towards his doctorate in psychology. Mike's working towards his doctorate in acupuncture. The goal of this podcast. Yeah, no. Fuck it. I don't need to change anything. <laughs> We're all right. You're you're kind of working towards it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe. So what about you, bro? How would you what would you be doing? different if you was to start it all again so I, I i've been thinking about this and what sucks is the timing because i started while i was still in college mm -hmm. and while i was still in college i was still playing and while i was still in college i wasn't making money training as much um so i i had to spend i don't know 30 hours a week bouncing you know whatever the hell i did and you know make a hundred bucks a night made 300 you know so i i had to i had to fucking make money still would i have not bounced no i would have kept that going um and the other timing aspect is so i spent i spent full time i spent one summer full time after college uh with defranco not playing baseball but full time summer earned my money then left to go to pit for 6 months and then I came back. And when I came back, that's when I had the combine crew that Hogan was in. So had I done anything different from that perspective, um, the timing would have been off and I would never have trained Hogan, which now, I mean, the relationship we built and what we built together, that I don't want to say that made my business or made my career, but that's a, that's a huge part in who I am. It, showed, it, it gave you a lot of confidence, showed you what you're able to do. Yeah. You know? You know, yeah, like that huge. was, that was, that was a big project for me. And then even during that time, I, you know, I picked up Brett Carroll, my first professional athlete. And then after him, I got Shooter Hunt. And then after him, Pat Dean. Shooter was my first, first round. Shooter was my first like big time client that came just for me. Right. Like I had Sonoris Moss, but he didn't come for me. He came because his agent referred the gym to him. And then I ended up training him eventually because he saw what I was doing. He liked what I was doing. So I was like, oh, let me train with you. Um, Hogan came for DeFranco and ended up training with me. Uh, Joe Torsha was recommended to train with me just because of his injuries, but he wasn't a big time guy. And Shooter was like my first fucking guy that was like, no, this guy, Micah here is really, really good. So I'm going to come train with him. So that happened shortly I, I, I want to say that happened in like the spring. No, was it the spring? It was the following, the following fall. So I worked with Hogan in the combine group. 
and that year. And then the following fall, I worked with, uh, I worked with Shooter when I got back from Pitt. Um, or, or excuse me, the following year I got back from Pitt. So that was huge. And that got me Pat Dean, who ended up being like my first guy that I brought up to the big leagues. I brought up that I was with, we trained together. He had injuries. We got rid of his injuries and he was able to play in the big leagues, which got me Rob Delaney, which was my first big leaguer. So in my opinion, what I wish I could have done was internships. Like I would have, after Buddy, I would have trained guys for a year, figured more stuff out, and then went off to intern with like Path or something like right. that. Right. That's right. what I was getting into. Yeah. I would have liked to have got gone there and also seen how that business structure works too, because that would have been good to have seen very high level operations dealing with pro athletes, you know, because I think before Exos, what was it called? No, 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 Before, before uh, Altus, not Exos. So Altus Sorry. is in Exos. Right, right, right. Like Exos has a gym and I think Altus just rents. I don't even know if they do that anymore. So I shouldn't even say that. Um, I, when I was there, when I went and visited, that's what they did. And I only visited for like a week when I was hanging with, hanging with Dan and Stu. Um, now I don't know what they do. But before that, they were WAC, World Athletic Center. Right, that's it. That's yes. what they were originally. Um, but from a billing perspective and stuff like that, it's, it's, I mean, they have so many moving parts and so many trainers and have all, all these people on staff. I would never do that ever. No, no. But it's also very interesting because, I mean, I don't think they did. I don't have any idea, but I guess they weren't massively successful since they had to move and go into something else, right? I, I don't they know. Get bought? I, I know. I know what they do with the coaching education is huge for sure, them. Sure. Yeah, because I mean, these are, these are some of the best coaches in the world. Like why wouldn't they make money educating like that? Right. That makes sense. Um, so if, if I had it my way, like I love what Flav does. Right. I really like that. But I mean, also I was in a relationship. I got married, you know? So it was, oh, yeah. and then, and then even after that, like then DeFranco's closed and then I had to open up my own shop. And yeah. before DeFranco's closed, I was actually supposed to do a lecture tour um, where I got asked to speak by 10 or 15 different people in Europe. So I was going to speak in Dublin. Then I was going to go to Manchester or London to speak again. Then someone wanted me in Munich. Then Arno um, wanted me to go out to the Swiss sports school and speak to them. And he set something up and then I opened a business and I, I couldn't do it. Um, right. He wanted me to do something for like a week, like a week long workshop with them. And he, he was setting everything up and I had to, I had to turn that down. Um, there was a place, there's someone in like fucking Bulgaria that wanted me to fucking speak. So I was going to do, I had this little, this little like tour almost planned to lecture. And then I just, I couldn't do it once I started the business, but doing it all over again, I would do so many more internships. I wish I could do more. Inter I, I can do more internships now. Um, the way I have things set up now, I can absolutely do more internships. Like with, with maybe I'll start doing that. Maybe I just call some coaches and, and head over there for a couple of weeks during, during my slow months, because like September and October for me are fucking 
are nothing. But if I, the more internships I can do, the better I will be. I will be happier doing internships because I fucking love doing that shit. The only thing that sucks is just being away from home. Sure. And also, if you're earning your... Well, now you've got it set up that you can be earning while you're away. But yeah, beforehand, you wouldn't have been earning any, any cash. Correct. It's going to cost you double. Correct. Who, who would you go visit? Who'd be uh, on your list? <sighs> Dan Paff, absolutely. I want to see... I, I, I just love hearing how he thinks, how he applies it. I'd love to see what Stu does. Mm -hmm. Stu McMillan. Uh, Boo Schechtonator. 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 The LSU coach. Yep. Absolutely want to see him. Um, I mean, right off the bat, the first thing I thought of was Bath. But I also, I do want to see, one of the reasons why I want to, I would like to go to Altus again and, and watch and see all that stuff is they have body workers there. Like, I want to learn more about that problem solving. You know, like just be a fly on the wall and, and just hear how people that do body work all day long address these problems. And, and I mean, we have that here. But these people don't necessarily work on all these elite athletes as well. Um, there's, there's actually a guy. Ah, oh, I forget his fucking name. I met him out in LA. His name is Dennis. I forget his, forget his last name. He's got this spot out in LA, and he. I should probably get him on the podcast. He's a pretty cool fucking dude. Where he started off as an acupuncturist, I think in. Uh, uh, Canada. And then he ended up doing chiropractic when he came to the States and he started off as like a bone setter in the uh, hospital, in the ER. And he did that for a while and now he's just like doing adjustments and everything. He worked on Kevin a bunch of times. Um, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the adjustments that people do, but to understand how to manipulate and do all that stuff, I would fucking love to learn all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, the internships... Are, are huge. I remember when I was with Buddy and James and they were, because everywhere you go, everyone, it's not just, it's not just a thought process, right? It's not, it's not just how they think, but it's also like what they're reading. So, and the language they're speaking. So when I was with Buddy and James, I didn't understand half the shit that they were fucking saying. Like I'd never heard like a lactic capacity and a lactic power and all this shit before. It was foreign to me. You know, I, I knew max effort. Dynamic effort method, you know, um, repetition effort, uh, repetition method or repetition effort, whatever the fuck it is. You know, I knew all West Side lingo and all that shit. And I knew some PT and but barely anything. And when they started speaking, speaking their languages that I just didn't get, I just wrote it down. And I spelled so many fucking things wrong. And I was embarrassed because I was from DeFranco's and they looked at me like, oh, this guy's a good coach. He already does some stuff. He should know. I didn't want to embarrass anyone. I didn't want to embarrass Joe or anything. Well, I'm fresh out of fucking college. What the fuck do I know? So I kept my mouth shut and I wrote all this shit down and I spelled so many things wrong. I didn't even know what Prilipin's chart was prior to them, right? I, I wrote down Prilips, Prilips table or something like that. I, I forget. I didn't even know how to spell it. And then I, after a week, I was like Googling it nonstop and look, trying to look through all these Russian texts. I can't find this. What the fuck is this? And I asked Buddy. He goes, no, no, that's not how you spell it. And I was like, oh, okay. Because Buddy says things wrong, but he, he knows how to spell them right sometimes. 
because he's like, <laughs> you know, he's like a old fucking, he's like a redneck almost the way he speaks. So, so it was, I mean, learning, it, it forced me to read more different texts that I normally, that, you know, I mean, right now I dictate what's, what's being read. I tell people I, I dictate the trends. Ryan does a good job of like reaching out on his own and stuff. And, but I mean, for the most part, all, all things are, are through me. So unless I push it forward, you know, it's, it's tough. So I, I like hearing what other people are doing. Um, James was one of the, I, I used to be like really, really involved with strength conditioning, reading and literature and all that shit. And James told me to stop. He said, learn other things. I said, why? He said, other things will teach you more about strength conditioning than strength conditioning currently will. He goes, strength conditioning doesn't even know their fucking name right now. So what the hell are you talking about? He goes, when it's hot in your house, what do you, what do you do? He said, other than turn on a fan, what do you do? I said, turn on the air conditioner. He goes, air conditioner, not air and conditioner, right? I said, yeah. He goes, so why is this called strength and conditioning? It makes no fucking sense. Strength conditioning, not strength and conditioning. You don't turn on the air and conditioner. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what we're fucking arguing over, James. <laughs> but like, that's to it his point. To him, yeah, sure. To him, it's like, that's how fucking stupid this industry is. So why the fuck do you want to keep learning from these meatheads? And from my perspective too, my thought process is, well, the smartest people in science, what do they do? They do physics. Then you drop down a tier and people, you know, maybe, maybe not less intelligent, but whatever, a little different in science. What do you do? You'll do research or you'll do medicine. So you'll be an MD. Well, what's dumber than an MD? Physical therapist. What's, uh, what's dumber than a physical therapist? Oh, fucking athletic trainer. What's dumber than an athletic trainer? Personal trainer. <laughs> so like I'm learning from not the fucking physicists. I'm learning from the meatheads. And that's okay. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm, I can't even fucking read. So I could never be a physicist. James said, learn from, you want to learn how to move, learn about movement, learn about physics. So that's why I started diving into that. But I was doing more theory rather than mechanical. Right. So, yeah. So I, and I mean, shit. And that led to existential dread where I just, <laughs> you know, fucking sitting there diving into all these, all these different theories and how, and how big the fucking universe is. You ready for this? I, I, I heard this one on a podcast to, to, to understand how big infinity is, right? If infinity exists, right? If this is an infinite universe, that means, and if there's, if the, if it's an infinite universe, that means there's infinite, that means there's parallel universes. And they are infinite. So if there's parallel universes that are infinite, that means somewhere there's a room full of monkeys with a typewriter. And they're just sitting there and they're throwing shit everywhere. And one of them might be typing and jumping up and down and they're all losing their minds. And somewhere eventually they got the complete works of Shakespeare in order. Sure. That, that's how big fucking infinity is. And I, 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 and in the podcast, they, they were laughing hysterically during this. And they're like, yeah, but also there's also like the last book for the end. It's like 
at the D it's one monkey threw a bunch of shit and it ended up being a Z, right? Like, and all those, all those possibilities occurred. That's how big fucking infinity mm -hmm. is. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Like my brain fucking erupted at that point to, to comprehend how, how small minute and, and how much bullshit what we do really fucking is. So that's where my mind goes when it comes to learning about strength conditioning. I, th I start thinking, I don't know, in, in those terms because of James. I, I, I think I, I started learning physics. So to get out of my shell and go more towards a PATH or a McMillan or a Schechtonator or a Buddy Morris or, or you know, to, to go back towards that a little bit again, I think would be good for me because I'm already off the fucking grid. Well, I mean, especially since you started much more with body work, acupuncture, and different work like this. I mean, it's it's just now you've got different ingredients so you can bake a different cake. That's basically it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where, so if you could intern anywhere now, right now, what would you do? I, it, I can't give a good answer because I'm not, clued up enough in what other people are doing you know like i'm sure there are so many good good guys out there doing different stuff but to me it would be more i'd be more curious and interested in understanding how different like different models are working i mean there's so many good guys out there now that have completely different styles i mean the gym industry isn't just about memberships anymore right i mean there are some guys making a living based on making just videos every day and that whole industry of, of working as a trainer is a complete different thing. It's about engagement and understanding algorithms and using technology all the time. So I would more, if I was going to do something, I would much more go around and try and find some guys that are crushing it in business way and try to understand that more because I think knowing now Swiss and knowing the demographic, I'm already working with probably the most amount of diverse pros in the country of anybody else, I guess, you know, as a, as a self-employed guy. Um, I think it's now here. The, the only business that there is, is about trying to give the best environment possible and then trying to understand different things. I mean, that's where guys like, you know, maybe someone like Ghana would be interesting to go and see not so much to, to go there to learn from, training style although i'm sure there's things you can pick up but also about how he services and how he talks with people and how he keeps them going and there's so many avenues to it because i don't know from my side i'm looking always at it more as a i guess business owner or entrepreneur rather than just as a coach because i think that the coaching is i mean i i know that there's amazing coaches out there that just they can't keep the lights on and i don't want to yeah. be i don't want to be there for me it's you know i mean going from being a good coach to a great coach you can do it i mean you can you can become anything right but you can't become everything so to try to understand what's essential and where you know in my circumstance what is it that i really want i think i would go more into this way and i would like to understand more things because i think that it, a lot of the the business stuff is a lot to do with just mindset and just understanding things you know yeah, I, I mean, remember what DeFranco said in our podcast where I asked him what he would do differently. He said, well, I would, or if he were starting now, he would just be a content guy. 
Yeah. He would just, ha- he'd hire a film crew. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a, a cunt, but I could, I, I don't know if I would, I well, would, you are for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, with, with, I would love to see what Gunner does with, with how he treats his client. I mean, he has his own towels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Gunner sure. Peterson towels. Like, sure. fuck it. He does, he does the five star, the five star deal. And to me, like I'm savvy enough with business that I know that if I just continue to grow my skill set, that the the money will follow. At this point, you know what I mean. So from the business perspective, I mean, do I have a lot to learn? Fuck yeah, I could I could do so many things, way way better. Um, and it, I I don't know. Maybe it would make me more money. Maybe maybe it wouldn't. I think I learned this lesson of bringing on people way too late, but better late than never. Um, what's his name what's cressy's guy's name is pete pete dupuy or something right? yeah right he he actually had a really good tweet the other day that he posts on instagram 99 out of 100 people are celebrating the secrets of world-class lead generations while i'm over here trying to convince a buddy with a stable professional uh with a stable of personal clients personal training clients with eight plus years of three sessions a week loyalty to write a book on retention. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That's right. where I think someone like Gunn is interesting because didn't he say like some of these guys have been with him 16 years and stuff? I mean- Yeah, I, I think Jennifer Lopez has been with him for fucking 20 years. Right, so she has the means to go anywhere, is probably constantly hit up about things, has every opportunity at her fingertips, but continues to go back to him. So for me, there's- something in terms of the client experience, which he has nailed. And that is way more interesting for me because that's also the, that that's the interesting kind of model for me here rather than volume based. Cause that's just not, I don't want to do it. And it's not, it's not a reality here. The mathematics won't work. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be really that he would be cool. But then I thought I find some of these other guys also very interesting that are just, they're just creating stuff, you know, and they're doing basic things. And I'm sure like a lot of the, say like, for example, Ben Patrick, I mean, he said it from the beginning, he was just making 400 videos a week. It's just pure volume. And then of course you get better at it, the more that you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But he went all in, committed hard and just went for it. And now I'm sure that there's other ways, but I mean, if you, if like listening to that Hormozy guy, yeah, bro. Right. He's at he's at seven hundred and thirty nine thousand followers right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was two fifty, I think, when he was with us. I think he was one forty when he was with us. Okay, could be, could be. But listening to to this Hormozy guy, I mean, he's he's, got, he's like, absolutely right. He's he's crushing it, and I think that I mean, he says you know his businesses have generated you know hundreds of millions. For him, it's very much. It's math and logic and understanding the way that the games work and always going out and reaching out and spending a lot of money just to learn from people and trying to learn skills that then he can put into his place. I mean, to have an average over, I think he said eight year average for every dollar he spent on advertising, it brought him back 39. 
I mean, that on an average is outrageous. So he knows exactly how much one client is worth and what, how much he can spend in getting that client. And then has looked at, you know, he's nailed. I, I think he, he said something like, you know, the first main skill you need is sales. And then after that, it's marketing. And then after that, it's like operations. But it seems like he's just, you know, he's just devoted himself to all three of those and has managed to, to do so well. So for me, that would also be interest. That that's also very interesting thing to me, you know, because I think for me, it's I love to learn, I love to coach, I, and and for me, the coaching is is it's about the relationships. I love that. That's the the thing that I love the most about it. But I also love to just learn in general, so learning skills, and I think the the, the entrepreneurial skills are fantastic because you don't know what the future shows and or what the future holds sorry and then if we're not able to coach or something happens or you don't want to do it or whatever then the skills can transfer and i think that the job that we have i think we have so many we've learned so many valuable skills that if we was to put it into another industry i think we could be highly effective i think we're in really in limited limited industry here not that there aren't necessary things to learn but um, I think someone like Hormozy would be really interesting to go and learn from. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 to me, learning that concept would be fucking that information that's absolutely valuable. And what they do, see, that's, and from a gym standpoint, and I've looked into the, the gym launch and, and all that stuff for the adults, he's, he's absolutely right when he says the workout doesn't fucking matter. But to me, Mm. it does yeah. yeah right so and, and with them it's with that with that type of stuff it's about volume it's about new sign member signups yeah. it's not about retention because right. he says oh yeah you'll lose 20 30 percent whatever the fuck it is but you right. keep these 70 percent here and you're constantly trying to bring in more and more and more and more and more and then it becomes about volume and i just i just don't like people that much <laughs> you're selling all day every day that's yeah. what you're doing you're that's that's your you're, you're call to trying to um, trying to yeah. close you're you're a sale i mean you could hire people to do sales for you mm -hmm. but then now all of a sudden i mean you're running a business but i remember when i first left defranco's i had a meeting with someone and a bunch you know a bunch of people wanted me to come into their spot and one guy said to me, he goes, well, how are you going to scale what you do, Mike? I was like, I don't know. I don't need to fucking scale it. He goes, well, you're going to work for the rest of your life? I was like, well, am, I too, is, am I too good to be damn path? He said, what do you mean? I said, how many damn paths are there in the world? One. I said, how many Charlie Francis are there? One Charlie Francis. You know what I mean? I said, he said, yeah, but those are the one in a million people. I said, what's so hard about being that? I said, there's, there's 8 billion people, 7 billion people in this world, right? What's one in a million? You fucking pull that off. Just work hard enough at it, especially in this industry. I said, I don't think I need to scale what I do because I think I'm going to be valued. I'm going to have a high value because of what I can do, mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I could scale it or not. The money will be there. It's like, uh, I, I think you were telling me, there's a guy that makes tables, just just makes antique tables or some shit like that. What 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 does he do? Yeah, he's a carpenter. He just makes uh, luxury goods. 
and he pulls in hundreds of thousands a year. Yeah. Just making that right. And it's just, I mean, look at an artist, an artist or, or, or a musician. I mean, the path of mastery is, you know, it, it's clear that there are payoffs to that. It's just, then you go in all chips in on a single skill. And if it's about being the best and that's it and being very clear on that's the objective, I think it's good. But then there are other things you have to pay the price for it. So it just depends on are you willing to do it or not. And then not regretting other certain life experiences or other factors involved in, in being excellent because yes. to be excellent at something you have to, you know, it, it, it the, every, other things have to suffer. Yes. They have yeah. to suffer. Abs absolutely. Um, and scalability is something that I need to, I, I mean, I'm, I'm doing okay with that now. Right. Like with, with, I have four or five trainers now instead of just me. Mm -hmm. you know, bringing and, and doing more than breaking even with those guys. Right. So, so yes, I get it. Um, and, and it, it Keir, Keir had said to me one time, he said, well, would you rather be broke and be the best coach in the world? Or would you rather be a millionaire and coach whoever the fuck you want for free? Yeah. I said, I said yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that because I know some really, really good coaches that are really, really broke. Or no. not making the money they should. I mean, sure. look at look at Rolf. Right. Where's where's he working right now? When he works, he makes money. Sure. But where's where's he working? It's tough. It's fucking hard, you know. And you know, then other things. I mean, I remember. I can't remember which book. It might be Essentialism. And there's a there's a there's a part in the book where it's like, imagine you've got like a camping grill, right? And you've got four burners on it, right? And that's each four burner, they represent something. So one burner's for work, one burner's for health, another burner is for family, and another burner's for friends. You have to switch off one burner to be good at the other three, but to be great, you have to turn off two burners. You know, and just for, like the more that you narrow down really what's essential to you of course then you've got way more resources towards it so i mean if you look at it i mean you know someone like musk you know i mean that guy is on point all day look i mean you can take any any expert i mean or any proper successful sports athlete they're not they're not gonna this whole idea of balance and stuff i mean this is complete horseshit there is no balance to things. No. You have to be, you have to be all on on it. You got a sh short period of time, and I think, you know, the, I don't know. To me, there's just a lot more things are always setting in. And again, you can, I think, you can be anything in this kind of I like this kind of wacky way. You can be anything, but you can't be everything. You can have anything, but you can't have everything. And this coming to that realization for me was hard because I always wanted to be the guy that could do everything and I want to do everything. <laughs> you know, I've been like that for a long old time. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting back from this vacation now. I shouldn't even call it a vacation. <laughs> getting getting back from this fucking trek um and seeing that I was able to sustain during that time. I don't know. 
maybe I uh, maybe I take a lot more sabbaticals to go off and fucking learn. Sure, if that's going to move you closer to your overall objective, for sure. Why not? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Why not? Why not? What What other questions did we have? Uh, where do you go to learn? I mean, see, I I did I did the acupuncture for three fucking years, mm-hmm. two years or three years, three years. It's been over. It's been over three years since I finished since I started and finished acupuncture. Now, so I mean that that was that was my curriculum for a while. Now, I'm I'm circling back to everything. Like on our on our road trip, I was. I was listening to a lot of podcasts and reading research. So I'd listen to a podcast and they'd mention research and I'd look it up and then it'd bring me to more research. I'd look that up and, you know, um, but I, I, the, the, it's, it's tough with research because research is always, always behind. I mean, I remember fucking 10 years ago, 15 years ago, DeFranco was talking about heavy ass sled drags. And then like just a couple of years ago, there was research saying like, yeah, if you're like an average runner, heavy ass sled drags are really, really good. Like they'll get you stronger. But like, then if you go back even further, Charlie Francis talked about medium intensity. When you have low GPP, yes, anything medium intensity, which sled drags would, you know, that's, I'd, I'd throw that in there. Medium Anything medium intensity will get you bigger, get you stronger, get you fucking faster when you're out of shape enough. So it doesn't even matter. You know, so then, so then it's like the research almost falsely represents what it really is when conceptually it's all about where you are right but again like charlie francis did that in the 80s he was talking about this shit he's talking about these concepts so even reading the research it's confirming a temporary bias (laughs) yeah i don't know there's a lot of great things that come from all of this too but also being able to experiment and not look for that you need confirmation from some outside source to try different things. I think is also important. I mean, you might discover like Charlie did just from pattern recognition and experimentation, you might discover things way in advance of everybody else. I'm sure that there are so many things that we can say you can pick, you know, I'm sure I, 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 I think I, I heard, it was actually, it was Ben Patrick on our show. Where he was mentioning about how different f- different things about working the TBR list and different stuff, how this wasn't supported that much in, uh, in, in the literature. And now it's starting to come more out. I mean, he's based his whole system off it and made loads of money just because he picked up on the idea. I'm sure he picked it up from somewhere, ran loads of experiments on it, looked, you know, filtered the information through pattern recognition and then used it for his advantage rather than waiting to kind of get the okay from the scientific community like that that to me doesn't make much sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah i and, mean and would you study acupuncture again would you go through that whole process again it's a good thing that we don't remember bad things all that much hey bro <laughs> i don't know I don't know. Um, I mean, with what with what I'm able to do because of acupuncture, and yes, I would do it when would be a lot earlier. Mm. But 
I mean, how much earlier? I don't know because I came, uh, I I came to some really really good realizations about what I like and what I don't like, based on my level of knowledge now. With everything, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know because I'm not, I'm not using it all that much, you know what I mean? Like I, some of the knowledge I use, some of it, I, I just throw away. Or I keep in the back of my head. And then when it confirms the bias, I say, oh, isn't that interesting? Like um, <clears throat> like when there's certain environmental things. And I say, oh, that coincides with it. But then like it doesn't, you know, every other fucking time. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I would do acupuncture again. Um, I, I like, I did it to learn about more fascia and it didn't teach me as much as I wanted to know. However, uh, it did teach me an awful lot about the systems, the perceived systems, the perceived fascial systems that we have. And it, it was able to connect some dots. So it does help me with body work a fuck ton. Like even like just the meridians, knowing where the meridians are and everything. Um, but I, I do regret in some instances, uh, the pace, because I'm, I'm, I've been burnt out for a while because of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm exhausted. I've, I've been mentally exhausted because of, because of it. So like learning stuff has been very, very tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, reading has been very, very tough lately. So yeah, I, I would do it. I don't know if I would do it at the, I mean, cause I'm an all or nothing motherfucker. You know, I just David Goggins to my, my, my way through the fucking acupuncture program. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope that was enough of a non-committal commitment <laughs> on that fucking, on that one. For sure. What other questions we got? Um, body work. What do we do for body work? How do we go about doing body work? So my body work is all an if then statement. It's a flow chart. Um, this summer was the most sciatic issues that I've ever seen. I've That's ever heard of, ever heard of with, with your, like with your regular guys, or regular with new guys. Okay. Uh, well, excuse me. Not oh, my, no. not athletes, yeah. not okay. athletes. Okay. I got more calls this year than I ever did before regarding sciatic pain. I've never seen it at this volume and all hit at the same time. It's like everyone got back pain at the same time. Um, so my, my, when I approach these things, it's always, it's always an if, so that's why people say it depends and it doesn't, it, it depends on, you know, if X, then Y, if Y, then Z, you know, like, so it's all, it's all an entire if then statement. So I, with uh, atrial fibrillation, for example, when people, when they do ablations for atrial fibrillation, they don't know which fibers are, uh, are firing erratically, okay? They go to the most common area of erratic fiber recruitment because with the heart, it's Purkinje fibers. When one fires, they all fire. But if one fires erratically, it fucks up the whole rhythm of the heart. 
and it doesn't listen it doesn't listen to the electrical system that the heart has in place the the, the Purkinje fibers are their own system they're rhythmic firing muscle uh, uh, fibers so what they do is they kill off um, they 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 destroy the fibers that are poorly recruiting to stop the other ones to stop polluting the other ones um, but they don't know which ones it is so they just go to the most common area first and then after that then they go to the second most common area and then after that then they're like oh maybe we try a different method but if it doesn't work after the first one 60 percent of the time it works after the second one so what i do is very very similar i'll listen to symptoms I'll listen to all the things going on. Like if someone comes up with lower back pain, right? My first thought is QL. Your lower back pain, unilateral, QL. If it's central, it'll be something else. But let's, I'll use the QL for, for an example. Oh, I got lower back pain on the one side. Or they say, I have hip pain on the one side, groin pain. So what I'll do, first thing I do, I'll check the hips. Now, it's not a given that if the hips are out of alignment, that there's pain or if there's pain that the hips are out of alignment. But in some instances, that happens to be the case. And when I get the hips back in alignment, a lot of the time they feel better. But it's not a guarantee like, hey, your hips are out of alignment. You're absolutely going to be hurt one day. Like, I don't, I don't believe that. But there well, are most certain people don't even realize, do they? Either that that's know? the other thing, right? So, but for the people where it occurs, okay. So getting people back in alignment. And this is where I disagree with a lot of chiropractic. In acupuncture school, we uh, we had a we had a t-shirt and a, a hoodie that said, I have a needle for that, and it had a picture of like an acupuncture pin, right? It was really cute. I didn't buy it. Um <laughs> To me, that's the definition of man with a hammer syndrome, right? Right. So when, when Pat was asking me what he should do with his future, I said, I want you to figure out how to solve every single fucking po problem possible with a needle. That's what you should do. You should become a master at acupuncture. And then now that you know how to do it all, you don't need to. Find the things that it actually works best for, not the things that you made it work best for. Mm -hmm. chiropractors they can bill for one thing cracking that's why so many chiropractors at least in the states that's why so many chiropractors they hire physical therapists and they hire massage therapists and they hire acupuncturists because those people can bill for those things they can't they can only bill for cracking so if your hips are out of alignment they crack them back in place sometimes that's what you should be doing not all the time in my experiences, it needs to occur through cracking less because I look at cracking as, think of a door hinge and the door hinge is gummed up because you put a, a put paint, you paint over a door hinge and it's like kind of stuck. So you could either slam it open, like fucking rip it open. And then all the paint will like sometimes chip off and break off. But eventually, if you keep opening that door really, really forcefully like that, the hinges are going to start getting loose. And then it's going to be easier and easier for those hinges to become out of whack. I 
don't know if that's directly correlated to comparing it with, with chiropractic, but anything forceful on the body, I don't know. I'm not always with it. Um, so what I've noticed was if I just release the fascia and not through needling, through stretching, through breathing, allow the body to figure itself out. I've had a great deal of success with that. Even in adjusting or realigning the hips, I do it through stretching. Right. So hips become out of whack. Sometimes, sometimes joints come out of whack. Like you're walking down the stairs. You think there's an extra step and you step there and it's like too much fucking force. And maybe, maybe that sacroiliac joint will actually get like, and it's not muscular. And no matter how much you stretch, it really won't pull out. Sometimes, hey, go to a chiropractor and get them fucking popping it back in place. Sometimes that's the case. Sure, maybe. Mm-hmm. Most of the time that I've noticed that I've been with my athletes, that's not necessarily the case. So for me, if I can get to these answers with less, less invasive procedures, I do that. So it's the minimal effective dose. Yeah, yeah. So first thing I do is I go to the QL. Let me, let me lengthen the QL. And from an acupuncture standpoint, it's the side of the body. It's Shaoyang, right? That's, that's the Shaoyang. Get, get, that, get that whole fascial line, the whole side of the body. Lengthen that out. Does that work? Did that alleviate any pain? Yes, no, maybe. If it did, okay. There's two things we can look at here. When the QL is a little fucked up, Sometimes it's the hip flexor. Where does the hip flexor attach? It attaches to the vertebrae. Um, the psoas, it goes all the way to, to the vertebrae, lumbar and thoracic, which if that's tight, it can pull you into a lordotic posture. You go into the lordotic posture, it could fuck with the QL a little bit. Possible. Another thing is glute medius. Glute medius, piriformis, that, 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 I guess they call it the sling, but that side fascia, that lateral fascia, the Shaoyang fascia, if that's tight, that could also lead to a disruption of the daimai, dysfunction of the daimai, which is essentially the, the core, core quotes, um, and that will cause an irritation of the QL. So at that point, it's, well, do I go for the glute medius or do I go for the hip flexor? Let's try the glute medius. Roll out your glute medius on the vibrating foam roller. I won't stretch you. Roll it out on the vibrating foam roller. Does that give you any relief? Cool. It's a glute medius. Or I'll test uh, knee flexion. Having them lie down on their stomach, check knee flexion. Does that, does that feel, or, and I, I see, is there asymmetrical, asymmetrical knee flexion? If there is, okay, one, if the quad is tight, typically a tight quad can lead to a tight hip flexor. Sometimes the quad is nice and loose. It's all right, bend your knee, lift your knees off the ground while lying supine. That'll do, that'll do the psoas. Sometimes that's tight. So if that's tight, I lengthen that. But I don't forcibly open it up. I let them lengthen it themselves by putting them into positions. Sometimes that makes it feel better. Then if that doesn't work and the glute doesn't work, 
uh, the glute, uh, excuse me, glute medius doesn't work. Then I go, well, I did Xiaoyang. Let me try Taiyang. Uh, yeah, let me try Taiyang. So Xiaoyang's side, Taiyang's the back. So Taiyang would be hamstring. So let me lengthen the hamstring. So let's work on that side because if you have lower back pain, lower back pain, it could be Daimai, it could be Xiaoyang, it could be Taiyang, or it could be it could be Yang Ming, which is the front. So it could be it could be back, front, side, inside, outside. Like you check everything, and then you work on that fascia associated with it. So there's all these relationships that it could be, and I just go most common to least common. So from a body work, and I, I, I approach all my body work, all my problem solving with ju just like that. Is it the spot? Is it above the spot? Is it the below the spot? Is it to the inside of the spot? Is it the outside of the spot? Is it the front of the spot or the back of the back of the spot? And is it the right shoulder causing the left hip or whatever the fuck? So I had, I had someone with biceps tendonitis today. First thing I did was I, I did range of motion testing and I checked pec minor. Pec minor was tight as a motherfucker. So the job of the rotator cuff is to stabilize in the glenohumeral fossa. If the rotator cuff cannot stabilize properly, then the brain knows this and it knows it's going to clunk around in that fossa. So to prevent that, it will... Do a, it will do a couple of things. One, it'll cause a hyperactive trap. Why? Because it'll create space in that fossa to stop that, that humeral, humeral head from clunking around. Two, it will also cause your bicep and tricep to become stabilizers because it knows the, the shoulder can't stabilize itself. The rotator cuff muscles are dysfunctional, so it needs to recruit other stabilizers. When that happens and that trap becomes elevated, how many people become hyperactive traps with their chest, chest out, shoulders, shoulders back? Or when that scap, when that trap becomes hyperactive, scap rolls forward and it'll even protract slightly. And what happens? You get internal rotation and that pec minor gets fucking tight as well. So today I had someone with biceps tendonitis and the last thing I did was work on their bicep. First, I worked on their pec minor. Then I worked on their trap and the rotator cuff. Then I worked on their tricep. And we went from an eight to a three just without touching the fucking bicep alone. And the bicep was the main cause. I did the bicep last and it was gone. Yep. By the time I got to the bicep, though, it was a two. It was a two, three. And so, oh, she was like, oh, I barely feel it. Went to the bicep last and everything felt better. Now, it's not always the area. It's, it's the surrounding area that I go to. Right. So was you just loosening off those areas or was you, did you also strengthen the rotator cuff a little bit as well? So I would do reciprocal inhibition, right? Mm -hmm. I yeah. would. Now, there's, there's, different, there's different techniques that you could do soft tissue work in. You know, you have like a pin and stretch technique, you have uh, reciprocal inhibition, you have reciprocal inhibition plus pin and stretch where you are pinning the agonist while, while contracting the antagonist under resisting 
um, to lengthen the agonist yeah. while you're pinning it down. Yeah. Right. So like there's, there's a million and one different fucking ways to do things. So I will, and it's, it's all through stretching, all through breathing, all through massage. Um, you know, like any, any kind of self massage, like I, I because I, I don't want people to have to rely on me doing a lot of the stuff. So if I can teach them how to do it on their own and they don't have to fucking come back, like, yeah, it cost me money, but it, at least they can fucking solve the problem. Right. Right. And people know, know how to teach themselves. So I'll do, I'll show them with lacrosse balls. I'll show them with everything. It doesn't fucking matter. Cool. Sounds yeah. good. This is, and when people ask me to do courses, this is, these are the courses that I think about, think about giving people. Yeah. Would you be open to, to, to showing people this? Yeah. I just, I, I, yes, I would. Um, I just don't have a real process written out yet. Right. Like what I just explained to you guys is my thought process. But if I actually put together flow charts for for people, like, I think those would be super valuable. I just need to, I just need to sit down and fucking do this shit. How could you imagine, would you, would you do like a, a workshop where for a day, if guys would come in and then you could bring in some, some case studies maybe, and you can explain it, show them they have to bring their own tables and stuff like that. Could you imagine something like that as the first go around? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what, what really sucks is I, a day would be awesome, but this is, I could show Yeah. I guess a day would be good because I would show you guys, I would show people my process and how I would attack these things and why I would attack them in the day, but you wouldn't get it for months. Yeah, sure <laughs> you know that's that's the way most of these things go but i mean you could show joint by joint how you how you manipulate each of the areas how you would do it why you would do it the flow charts to it and i mean people would go with a lot of different tools and then yeah they'd need months of experience to actually finally you know to really understand what it is so if people are interested and they're listening to that please do get in touch with mike because you might be one of the first guys <laughs> that can go in and we can kickstart this off for him. Yo, Brooker, Brooker and Kier have been pushing me so fucking hard to start this stuff. <laughs> well, I love it because the bodywork routine that I learned off of you, I love to do that. I mean, now at the beginning stages of, of say like, for example, the off season, just to make it easy, beginning stages of off season, I'll do it more or less every day just to get like a nice foundation level. And I use it not just as sort of a therapeutical treatment. I use it as a warm up, activation, and also, you know, check. We start with the most easy and basic work possible, because if we can do that fine, then we know that we can just keep progressing the workout further. You know, we started the easiest way, for example, some different pulses, you know? And I mean, what we was mentioning before about, you know, the sacroiliac, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as guys just squeezing their knees together with your elbow in between that can pop it, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's just so basic and you can also, and I don't know, to me, it's, it, 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 it adds such a level to the experience. Guys always feel great when they get up off the table. They're very hot. Usually my guys are usually very sweaty too, because especially if you get multiple rounds going in with the, reciprocal inhibition it's still a lot of work that's going on and some and, and 
also the first time people go through it, if they do it, you know, they do quite a few reps in each of the movements, they're quite exhausted. It could also very much be a, be a training in and of itself, especially at the beginning with some different people. So I think it's a great thing. I would love Mike to turn this into something. So if people are interested, please do get in touch with Mike because he will do it if he knows people want to learn. And I'm telling everyone, you should go and learn this stuff because it's a great way to add, a great thing to add into your training. And your clients will definitely, their perception of the training experience will definitely increase with this. I mean, my for me, it definitely is the case. And I love using it. And I even adapted different things and brought in some other stuff of my own. And you try it in other different areas too. And it seems to work well, especially using those, my reflexive positions that I showed you once before, you can use the same concepts and they, I call it like strength and stretch positions. There's a bunch of different uh, holds that you do it. And it does very much. It's like a cheap man's massage, like a black roll is a cheap man's massage. This is a cheap man's body work. And uh, yeah. that can also be something too. So, I mean, I've got guys, they, they, they do that before a game mm -hmm. and they, they, they won't not do it. You know, they have to do it. They love to do it. They do it on a daily basis and it makes them feel good. So, yes, please, people, get in touch with Mike about this. This should be, he should be showing people this. This is the culmination of many years of, of work. So let's, let's wrap it up. Yeah.